We are all important. Prioritize everyone you lead. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki, and we're here on Gut Plus Science, and my friend Chrissy Burke from Higher Up Leadership is joining me as my new co-host for the healthcare episodes that I'm so excited about for 2023. And man, she just jumped right in with Mary Shipley. And wow, this episode is so full, so rich. If you do not have a page of notes or you don't have to listen to this 10 times, I mean, come on. There's so much in this episode. It was so fun. We had a great time. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki, and we're back on Gut Plus Science, and I am so excited to share with you that we are launching a new co-host brand, Higher Up Leadership, and I get to co-host with Chrissy Burke, who I am just elated to be able to spend this time with. Chrissy, I would love if I could kick it over to you to introduce our guest today. Thank you so much, Nikki. We are really excited to welcome Mary Shipley today. Her passion for identifying process improvements driven by data and supply chain comes from a very personal experience. After reading her aunt's memoirs, where she read that her aunt survived a near-fatal battle with gas gangrene, Mary learned firsthand of the remarkable transportation plan around the delivery of a new drug, one that we all know, penicillin, across the country in 1943. This strong and efficient supply chain saved her aunt's young life, as well as thousands of soldiers during World War II. After learning this, Mary actively sought out healthcare supply chain in 2013. Mary is the Director of Supply Chain Management at Renowned Health, where she has been for almost a decade. Mary is a recipient of the Top Talent of the Year at Renown in 2020 for efforts associated with the pandemic, Top 50 in 2020 amongst GHX providers for achievements in automating procurement and contracting, and she received the Vizient Executive Savings Award in 2020 for impact standardization centered around reducing clinical variation. Mary, we are so excited to have you today and really to tap into this message around no matter what level, what title, what mission you're on in your work or outside of work, we are all important. And so we are so excited to have you today. And I think Chrissy wants to kick off by tapping into something you shared with me on our prep call. Well, Mary, what I wanted to know is what character trait do you recommend embracing most in this way? And how do you get into the work with your team? When I want to get to know anything, I want to dive into all the pieces of it. So I want to work with every individual at every single level to know their job to point blank, kind of like the whole undercover boss type situation, but they know who I am. And I hope it doesn't intimidate them. But after a point in time, once you really start getting into the details and being part of that team, I think that's when the comfort level sets in. So for me, the most important thing is to kind of work with individuals, just to just observe and understand what they're doing, and then try to do those functions and then be able to say the pieces that seem to make sense, the pieces that might be something that's available for improvement, all of those different pieces. But I think the the general reason that I've been a successful leader and that I have an amazing team is that 
I really truly understand each individual's facet and where they belong in this big puzzle of ours and that they're so incredibly important. And if we didn't have them all contributing together, we would never be able to accomplish all the goals that we have. So for me, it's, it's a lot of really knowing that every single detail that they have to a certain level. It also helps with like, when you're seeing bandwidth issues or you're seeing other issues, you can really relate to, are they really experienced bandwidth issues or is this maybe not the right fit for them? All of those different pieces are important. So that's kind of my philosophy with working with the team. It's just knowing what they're doing and being a part of it, really being a part of it. Are there any things in particular that you do to build relationships with your team? Are there any specific tips that you can offer? From a relationship standpoint, I, I've always respected individuals' boundaries of what they want to share and what they don't want to share. I'm not necessarily a prying leader that the first thing I meet you, I want to know everything about your life and everything that's going on that comes with time. And I think it's always a shock to individuals that they may not know, might not have someone who's like prying into, you know, what do you want to do in the next five years? Who knows that, right? We all went to college and we probably changed subjects five times. So for me, it's just like, I want to be with a person. They're going to give me a certain level of comfort for a particular period of time. And that's going to increase when they start to see if I'm genuinely interested in the work that they're performing and want to continue with that. And then that's where the comfort level grows. You just have to be able to let individuals unfold as their comfort level is. And I think that's what creates that bond is that if they know a person's not out to, I don't know, analyze them, so to speak, but just really kind of just relate to them and find the best attributes of their character and find those strengths and then accentuate those strengths. I think that's the piece that every person's looking for in their successful journey in their career. So good. And Mary, you spoke of the importance of getting to know what your people do, you know, rolling up our sleeves, if you will, and really getting to understand their role. Can you illustrate this a little bit? Like, how do you do that? Or how do you recommend other leaders roll up their sleeves and, and really truly understand the roles that their team members are, are playing every day? I'm a big fan, if you can find the bandwidth, I know leadership gets pulled in all kinds of different directions, but I'm a real big fan of shadowing what is happening in your departments. It's like, if you don't understand what the process is and it seems to be hitting the same barriers, it's really important for you to block the time to be able to share those moments with those individuals and really watch every step that they take in their jobs so you can understand what their hindrances are. What are the things that derail them from like just being able to finish one task at a time? What are all those different pieces? And instead of trying to like dive in there and take it over, make notes of those situations and understand what those things are. And then at the end of the day, be the person who can guide them and break up what you see as far as what their pattern of their day is. And then have their have them examine it and say, where do you see your biggest frustrations? And then when they start identifying it, you ask them, is that a value-added performance for the organization? Does that help those pieces that are kind of taking you off you know, course? Do you stay with that or is there a place that we can delegate that? Does it require another team to be able to do something like that so you can concentrate on your core competency? And that kind of collaboration with an individual who's very intimate with their job and is very prideful of their job is important because they're the ones who are defining what would be best practice and that nobody knows it better than them. So they should be the ones who are kind of leading you to the next steps of what you can do to help them. 
You know, a reoccurring theme in what you've shared so far that keeps coming to mind is leadership discernment. And, you know, in order to really understand how to guide people, really knowing them, like you were sharing the importance of really getting to know and then really getting to know their role so that I think your example was if it's a bandwidth issue, is it really a bandwidth issue? Or how could you really lead to find really what that core problem is? Can you speak for a minute and go a little bit deeper on like when you think being a a leader that really discerns well to lead people well, what comes to mind? To lead a person well, it requires trust. And I don't necessarily think that you can get to a point where an individual trusts you unless they really know that you can speak the same language that they understand from their perspective. So it's one thing to be a leader, come in and observe and then be like, okay, I know this person does contracts. I know this person does frontline logistics. I know this person does this, but then you only have that surface piece, right? You don't understand their all their day-to-day other entrapments. And that's the stuff that when you have those really focused conversations with them, they're going to echo that noise that, well, I can't do this because this and this and this and this. And so until you can really understand all those pieces, you can then be prepared when they come up with all of those reasons why they can't complete a task. And you can talk to it. You can be like, this is, this, I can't do that because I'm on the phone all the time. Okay, let's talk about what you're on the phone on all the time for what purposes. And then we can, you know, delegate if that's supposed to happen or go further into why is that an important task? Should it be, um, should it be yours? Should it be someone else's? And I think those pieces of understanding each individual thing builds that trust with the individual because they're like, okay, they gave me all of the pieces of what my job entitles. The thing that I was just jotting down is I think, you know, trust is core for leadership discernment to be able to be received. And then for a lot of people, it's like, you know, you want to have this deep relationship or you've read in a book about the power of having like really deep relationships because a lot of that's why people stay is the direct relationship between the team member and their leader. And so I guess, where do you even get started? If somebody's listening right now, they're a leader and they're like, okay, all of this sounds good. And I, and I feel like I'm, you know, talking with my people regularly, but like, what are those foundational things that you'd say, okay, make sure you've started here to be able to build that trust and be able to have that kind of relationship to help them and discern what's really going on? It's a lot of, you know, spending time with that team member to find out, you know, what they do and have them be able to, and I mean, a lot of time, because it's going to take a a particular amount of time before they're able to give you all the pieces. First, when you first meet a person as a leader, they're going to be very high level. They're going to be very closed. They're going to be just enough to be able to give you the information. And it's only after time and you also learning what they do and also pitching in some time of doing what they do, where they're going to go. Oh, she's, she's for real here. So I'll give you kind of an example. We just moved to warehouse and I wear a dress every day. It's what I do. I like it. It's comfortable. I would rather wear, wear shorts every day. It's all that, right? But we have to move a warehouse. I'm in logistics. It's all good. And we did not have a team oriented for that. But I had about five volunteers that were all down for this big transition. And we all showed up in jeans and then Mary's in her dress. And they're like, well, Mary's just going to look at numbers and whatnot. Nope, I'm moving pallet racks with you and I'm going to go stage stuff and I'm going to learn how to get stuff into the the places. 
And I'm going to figure out what would make the, the most sense as far as being able to pick from. So how are we going to serpentine all of those different pieces? And I'm going to collaborate with you all on the floor in this big huddle. And I'm going to get sweaty and we're going to climb into trailers and we're going to move stuff that fell over pallets and stuff like that. And that level of getting involved with something, that's the level you need to get to. You know, just go down there for a casual two minute like observation of somebody loading trails. Get in there and get dirty with the people you want to learn from. And then in that almost like, I don't know, physical conversation that you're having with people by actually doing, not necessarily talking, they get comfortable. They're like, she's for real. She's going to get in here and do this stuff. And it's it's funny, but it's it's working. And then at, at a certain level, they're just like, they start sharing their ideas of what they think is right. And quite honestly, as a leader, most leaders, if they don't say this, they're lying. Every leader's got imposter syndrome at some point or another. We don't think that we're living up to our standard. And when those individuals start giving their two cents of what they think a process could be that would make it better, nine times out of 10, it's going to be better than any idea that you ever came up with. And that's why they're so important. And you have to get in there to get those good ideas. Otherwise, it's just like us remote workers, right? We're talking to our head and we're, you know, nullifying other things because we're the only people that we get to like bounce ideas off. We need those individuals to be able to give those pieces. So it's important. It's important to get to that level. And thank you so much for sharing the story, like bringing that to life. And I think so much of it is around like relatability and really being able to feel that you can have a human connection between each other, whatever that may look like. So thank you for sharing your story of the warehouse. Um, when you when you uh, could give an opportunity, I guess, to mentor us about regular check-ins. So, you know, you've built a relationship, you've got this trust started or built. What do regular check-in conversations look like? Or how would you recommend that from like, how long are they? What's the cadence? What does that agenda look like? Break that down. I would say every individual is different. And every individual responds a little differently to check-ins. There are some individuals who are so involved in their own autonomy that they don't need to be micromanaged. In fact, it really turns them off. So you really have to kind of get to that level of understanding their personality. And again, by understanding what they do every day, you start to learn what the best way of communication with them is. I have individuals on my team that I know I will give them something and they will execute. And they don't want to be bothered with, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Because it only causes anxiety in their world and it also causes deficiency in the execution of what they're going to produce. And then there's individuals who are learning. They're brand new. They don't know everything that they should know, or they just need a lot of reassurance in order to move forward. And those individuals, you also get that same feeling. And in those situations, you might check in with them every day. You might check in with them every other day. You might have a regular set meeting for those individuals, and you might set specific tasks of what they can complete to see their growth levels. And you might be measuring that as well, because if you have an individual who requires a lot of additional um, check-ins or motivations and whatnot, there's a lot of confidence that they need to grow for themselves. And I get it because I used to be that same person. I needed to get all that reassurance and whatnot. And then there comes a certain time where you have that enlightening conversation with them is that you're not always, as you grow, going to get all the reassurance that you want. And so you have to build that somehow within yourself 
to be able to do that. So, but that comes with time, right? And you learn if you can have that conversation with a person. And then there's some people who um, regularly want to check in with me. So they proactively do that. And I used to be this individual. You meet with your boss to tell them everything that you're doing. And then you hope that you have a boss that says, that's fantastic. These five things of this list of 20 that you just went over, I'm still that person. Too much stuff. And then these are the five strategic things you really should concentrate on. That's where you start saying, it's all great. These five things, though, these are golden. These are the things you want to direct all your energy in. And they just need a little push in the right direction to kind of center their energy. And they're all different, right? Yeah. And I love that you made the point that it's not a one size fits all because I've definitely had, you know, hundreds of conversations on this show. And sometimes people have a formula for how they do meetings and their cadence. And it's like, that's awesome. I think your point of really getting to know your people and understanding what they need and meeting them where they are is really powerful. And before I toss it over to Chrissy, because it's coming right back over to you in just one minute. My, my final question is, Mary, as you're getting to know your people, have you found like a certain tool or assessment that you've just really liked that's really helped you get to know them and know their style or questions you ask? Like, how do you get a feel for that other than just like the signs and things that you pick up on? That's a really good question because uh, I never really experienced it, but we had something that we do here at our company. It's called an SDI analysis. Basically, it's kind of a personality test. and it's terribly accurate of where a person will, you know, indicate what spectrum they are. So in an SDI world, there's like a, there's a person who's a red, a yellow, and a blue. I think it's like, you know, you're analytical, you you feel a lot, or you have, you have a lot of emotion, or you have a people pleasing piece about you. And you all kind of like are in different parts of the spectrum. It's not all or one, but we did that with our team once on a global scale, just to kind of find out where all the assessments were. And it was so remarkably accurate. And the coolest part about it is that once we did it and we shared our scores with each other, we huddled in our same similar groups and whatnot. And we were able to look at the other individuals. We understood a little bit more about that other spectrum of, you know, how they better receive um, feedback, how they will react to things. And it's not necessarily negatively, all of those different pieces. And I think that is super important because as a leader, you have to be self-aware that not every individual is going to be calm. Not every individual is going to be able to think thoughtfully before they talk. And you need to be able to coach them appropriately to the way that they respond. So I would say SCI assessment was a real big help for us. Also, um, I think um, working (laughs) through problems, through games, has been fun. I have an entire procurement staff and contract staff, and we deal pretty closely with physicians. And anybody who's in healthcare can tell you that's a colorful relationship. And uh, there's different responses to different things that can be um, construed um, negatively or irate. And um, we do a lot of uh, Mad Libs where we uh, try to conduct ourselves in a professional light and a very angry light, just so you can see the offset which kind of gives a little self-awareness. And I think teaching tools that help people be self-aware of what they can do better and how they can work better with the team and where it might make sense to work better with the team and when it makes sense to be more of an individual contributor, those things just to kind of give people aha moments, all of those things that help your team kind of give those aha moments, I think those are important. 
Mary, how do you make those things personal for your team? You know, really understanding, helping make those wins personal because you're such a great listener and you build relationships and you're an incredible guide. And I love how you sort of infuse tools as needed when you're meeting with your team members. But how do you make those wins much more personal? I'm really data-driven. I'll give it to you like this. is like, and we see this a lot, I think, in society is that a person gets a job. I'm going to say an AP rep or you're a buyer or you're your frontline logistics staff, whatever you be, right? So you come in, you do your thing, and you have two mindsets that you can adapt. You can be like, I'm just here for the money. I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm just here from nine to five. I'm here for whatever. Or you can say, what am I doing to contribute to the overall growth of the earth or whatever, you know, whatever your goals are. And for me, there's a couple different pieces. Like I will have individuals who got into a job and they're doing that job and I'll give them an objective of, Let's see if we can get, for instance, I'll use, I'll use one of my team members where we wanted to get more compliance to GHX, which is one of the awards that we run because we wanted to do more automation. And that's really the core of it. So he, he goes after it because he's going to execute. The piece that was helpful for him at the very end is being recognized as a top 50 provider and then also being able to show on a weekly basis the growth of where we were as far as automation and where we got to week over week over week. And it became something that I could present in a group and everyone would go, wow, that's amazing. And then we could talk about what that did as far as labor savings and all of these things. And at the very end of the day, whether I can show that you increase this kind of productivity or I can say you can save all this labor and what that amounts to as far as a cost perspective, that's how I try to present it. And then when you can just sit down with the person who just came in for his whatever, whatever, and say, you just saved, and it's so important. This is like the driving force of healthcare, right? You just saved $250,000 a year. In, and I always call it blood money for individuals who come and they get healthcare and they're wanting to be well. And you gave them an opportunity to find the better technology with that savings or not be charged that amount because we could do that pro bono or whatever the pieces are. You basically save that piece so we could direct it directly to patient care. And when they see that offset, that's very moving for an individual. And that's really, I think, what drives them. And I think that's what a lot of reasons why people are in healthcare is because there's a bottom line purpose, right? You want to, you want to help a human. <laughs> that's what you want to do. That's why you got into this. So that's the piece that I show is like, you did this. This is you in whatever graphic that we display. And then I make it a normal KPI so I can brag about it all the time. I love that approach. I think that that's really important. And I think, you know, something that you said that is really meaningful is, you know, you're a data-driven person and I'm sure you've been doing this long enough that you know the way it can be done. But what I'm hearing you say is that you allow your team and really encourage your team to co-create their roles and their tasks and to really sort of bring their own personality into the work. And I think you can see that a lot evidenced by the winning and the wins that they're sharing with you. But can you share a little bit more about that, how you give them the freedom and the power to be able to deliver in the way that they want to deliver? It's like it's planting a seed and it's, it becomes not always, but in these wonderful situations, like you plant a seed with the right individual and they take it farther than you ever thought they would. You just kind of gave them a task and you're just like, here you go. So 
I have a manager on my team and he's extraordinary. He's got a medical background, all kinds of different pieces and whatnot. And all he really wants to do is just do things, right? Do things that are meaningful and helpful to the organization. So we have this inventory and listing of a million products on the shelf and we have it because, you know, if the trauma comes in, we want to make sure that we have product available and stuff. So we've got a whole lot of purchases that we've made over the years that kind of sit on our shelf. And some of it doesn't move very much and it's a liability. It's actually on our liability account. So the task that I gave him basically is that here's the sum of inventory and we know some of it doesn't move and it's stale and some of it does move. And what we really want to do is turn our inventory into stuff that's always moving. So when there is a trauma, we're grabbing stuff that we're going to actually utilize. Right. And so that was really all the tasks that I gave him. And, I, and it was kind of like, we'll see if he can do it, you know, cause we're all busy. Right. So I, it's just kind of like, this is something that I'd really like to see happen. And he was able to take it and work with at this point, three different vendors and, negotiate trade-ins for stuff that had been sitting on our shelf for, you know, three, four, five years. Some of it was, you know, offset and reduced cost and whatnot, but we were able to exchange it for high moving products in the same vendor realm and stuff like that, which saved us the write-off of obsolescence. And I was just super impressed that he took that and, and he, he went a step further, right? He organized it by the highest amounts of inventory values by vendor to the lowest. And that's how he's kind of working through the priority list. And he's just going with it. And we're we're seeing some reductions in our inventory values and actual movement of flow. And that's the way it should be. It should be. There's a turn there. And then in the same perspective, another individual who's actually on his team, very deeply analytical individual who was in a supervisor role. And he was great. Don't get me wrong. But I saw that potential for just being a data guy. And I was like, let's get him in there somehow. And I said, I had this vision to like standardize what we do as far as our preference cards for physicians. I don't even know what that looks like, but this could be your baby. And so went through the steps to make sure he got in the position and he flew with it. And we have saved over $1.9 million in reductions of obsolete inventory on preference wow. cards. And that's all him. He just took it and knew exactly what he was doing and this is something he was super passionate about. And at the end of the day, when you can put a, that kind of a status to a person who just got in a role that wasn't defined, but this is kind of a goal that we want, and they define it for themselves, there's where the passion is. Oh my gosh. So good. Oh, thank you for the story. Mary, your heart shines through your words, really. And this has been a treat. And we're going to learn more about you here in just a minute on the personal side of you with our lightning round. But Chrissy, before we go... Tell us about the work of higher up leadership real quick and like what you all do to impact healthcare. You and your team are so tapped into meaning and purpose. And Mary commented, that's why many are in healthcare. That's so you. And so your team, can you just share just a little bit? So higher up leadership, we place top healthcare leaders and in interim management and executive search opportunities at some of the best healthcare systems in the U.S. And I like to say that we're leadership matchmakers. We're very relationship oriented. We give back to the nursing community. That is a really big part of what we do. And we really lead authentically, both with empathy and compassion. To be honest, we've all been touched by healthcare in some way very personally. Um, and we love what we do and feel truly privileged to be able to help advance the professional careers and causes of those people that we care about, many of whom we consider friends. You all are, are exceptional at the relationship side of business, for sure. 
definitely matchmakers. Well, this has been awesome. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today, and we'll come back to our lightning round where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about Mary Shipley and the personal side. I have a feeling we're going to get inspired. We'll be right back. Gut Plus Science has a heart and priority on the healthcare industry and helping those who help us feel meaning and appreciation for the work that they do. Higher Up Leadership is an innovative healthcare leadership executive search organization that provides both interim and permanent placement at top healthcare systems. They are simply the best at connecting healthcare leaders to meaningful work opportunities that ripple effect greatness in healthcare workplaces. We're proud to be partners. All right. Hey, it's Nikki and we're back on Gut Plus Science. So Mary Shipley is about to dive into our lightning round. So we always ask this question, Mary, what is your favorite book of all time or favorite recent read that you think would be great to go on our ever-growing recommended reading list? What would you pick to share? Well, I would name both of them. My favorite book of all time is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And uh, the title probably exhibits what it is. If you haven't read it, it's just uh, overcoming obstacles and being able to come through concrete flooring, but it's a lot more than that, of course. And then the most recent read that I had that I actually really, really recommend is The Mountain is You. It's a very quick read, but it's self-examining. Basically, the things that get in your way are you, your head, your problem, your, you self-create a lot of the obstacles in your life. And it's a way of being able to kind of reflect on that. Both sound so good. And I think might be first time recommended out of like lots of episodes. So I love new hearing new titles. So we will be sharing that out and linking that in the show notes and it'll go on our list to stay there for a long time. And then how about Mary, a favorite quote or a favorite saying that inspires you? The moment that you realize that an individual's behavior is more about their internal struggle than about you, you learn grace. That's one of my favorites. That's good. That's so good. Thank you. And Mary, how about a favorite or your top memory of 2022? Um, my top memory of 2022, talked about a few different things, but I really am thankful. I, I received the blessing of a really amazing leader this year who, um, for the first time in a long time, is very mentoring. And I'm learning a lot from, from him and his guidance. And it's cool just to kind of fall in love with the job again, because it's been a, it's been a wild ride in supply chain for a pandemic. And to have someone who's very positive, who is very people-centered, who is very good at communication and is showing me the pieces that I have and can have, frankly, those very good constructive criticisms with me that I can take appropriately because there's enough data to be able to back it up because, again, I'm analytical. Um, that's been a blessing. Oh, that's awesome. And before we go, what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you or get in touch with you if they would like after this episode today? LinkedIn is a good spot. I, I'm kind of an email junkie, so I like to write more than I like to speak on the phone. So that's the best way. All right, Truth You Can Act on so much here. So here I go. I'm just starting to ramble because I, I capture so many notes that it's like I don't, I don't have just like one or two things or three things. Here we go. There is great opportunity in shadowing team members to truly understand the situation and job duties that they have. Shadowing, really getting in the nitty gritty. I love Mary's example of wearing a dress in the warehouse or whatever, right? Like just getting in there. Okay, leverage discernment as a leader to truly understand how to lead them. 
it makes me think of like the five whys. You keep asking why when there's a problem or when there's whatever. It's like to get to the core is just powerful. Spending time is key. That's the thing. It's like can't delegate things in leadership very often. I mean, yes, of course, tasks and things like that. But when you're leading your leadership stuff, you cannot delegate. It's like I'm going to delegate my one-on-ones. No, you can't. So spending time is key. Get in the work with them, roll up your sleeves and get dirty, Mary says. And finally, everyone is different with how we want communicated to. And it's important to be customizable in the way that you communicate, the way that you check in. She had some great examples around that. And that could be a game changer for our entire 2023 year. So thank you so much. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.